We do thank you and praise you, great shepherd, for you love us and you call us by name. I pray, Lord, that we would hear that call and that we would follow you. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. First, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to everybody. And I want to uh, bring a reality check uh, to you that was brought to me one day. Um, When I was doing a sermon one time for Mother's Day, and I said Happy Mother's Day and sort of left it at that, when I was at the back of the church and people were greeting me, someone came up to me and said to me, "Um, you know, um, I'm not a mother, but my mother's dead. I said, wow. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I was was shocked. I was shocked because I had not thought of that because my mother was still alive and I was a mother. And so that was some time ago and it really hit me and it made me think about those little things, you know, that we say um, and how others might receive that. And so for Mother's Day, as I was praying about this particular um, sermon and just praying about this day, the Lord put on my heart the mothers who are missionaries, Not, not only abroad, but here. The women that have mothered children, lots of children that are not their own, that are children in their neighborhoods, that are children in their families, Not to mention the missionaries abroad who chose not to marry, but instead chose to be a missionary to the people that God had called them to. And in that particular calling, these women that were missionaries, that are missionaries, mother many, many children. And there are those of us who have been on missionary outreach um, trips, and so we've seen that. We've seen these single women mother the children. So I want to say Happy Mother's Day to everyone who has ever mothered a child because I think it's important that we understand that that person Though they may not have been married, more, no, more, maybe they were married, but they didn't have children, nurtured those children and brought those children along in a world that can be very scary, especially for a little one that doesn't have that person in their life. Well, that is why I love this particular Sunday in Easter, because it's about the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd who nurtured and who continues to nurture his children, which we are his children. Those of us who have given our lives to him. Those of us who know him as the good shepherd. Now, what I, there's so much in these verses 1 through 10. It's packed. So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about 1 through 14. But, I know that makes perfect sense to some of you, but what I'm going to try and do by the power of the Holy Spirit is two things. One is to stick with the outline that you have and so that you can follow it. 
And two, I just want to hone in on a, a, a couple of things. And um, so as you look through your notes, you've got a little handout there that's got notes on there. You might also want to look at, in your Bible um, to John um, chapter 10 when, when we start talking about particular verses. But before we start in chapter 10, let me tell you that chapter 9 of John, which is the famous story of the man born blind, takes up that chapter. And, and what is so powerful is that it gives a perspective of chapter 10 of John so that you almost have a contrast. And this is why. In chapter 9, you've got this man who was born blind. He has no job. He sits on the street begging because he can't see and no one's going to hire him. And lo and behold, Jesus comes and heals the man. Not only does he heal him, but Jesus reveals himself as Lord of creation. And how does he do that? Because he doesn't just touch the man and say, be healed in my name. But he actually takes dirt and spit and mixes it together. And this is what I believe, and this is what others believe, because it is inferred there, that Jesus actually made him an eyeball. Because all of a sudden, he can see. So he has to have the receptacle to do that. So Jesus has revealed himself as one who takes care of people in their deepest need. So not only did he receive a physical sight, but later on, as you know in that chapter, if you read it, he receives a spiritual sight. He sees the one who has healed him. Well, in that story, when you get all the way down to the end, the Pharisees are freaked out. They freaked out because they don't believe he was born blind. There's no way that you can be born blind, and now all of a sudden you can see And they got very upset about it, and so they dragged him in. They questioned him. Then they dragged in the parents, and they said, yes, he was blind when he was born. You know, that's why he's out there begging on the street. Why would anyone want to do that? And so, yes, and now he sees. So at the very end of chapter 9 in verse 34, the Pharisees say, you were born in sin, and you're a liar. And they put him out. Now, when you look at that phrase in the Greek, they put him out. It's interesting that in our text today, Jesus is going to use that very same phrase in verse 3. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. Before we get there, we talk about the Pharisees throwing this man out. What did they put him out of? Not just the temple. Not just the synagogue, not just the service, but, they, but it infers to us when we read that and study it a little bit that he put them, put this man out of the covenant, out of being one of God's people. They, seeing themselves as bearers of salvation, put him out. He was not worthy to be in that fold. So we see that Jesus goes and looks for the man. He goes and looks for him until he can find him. I'll tell you a story, a wonderful story um, of this man, this young man, 
who was raised in the church, um, you know, so he had that background, he had that foundation and all. But as he got older, he was very lost. He was lost. And this was something that uh, occurred to him, that he was lost. But he strayed away and started hanging out in other pastures, was not hanging out in that pasture where the great shepherd was. And one day, one of his friends said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I've really given my life over to the Lord, and I would like to pray for you. And he said, for what? He said, because, I don't know, I mean, I think you're lost. Well, that word hit this young man. And so he said, well, okay. So that, his friend prayed for him. And as he prayed for him, this is what the Lord showed him in his mind. He showed him of a person like rock climbing, but on real mountains. And, he, and the person's foot had been caught in a crag, and he couldn't get out. And all of a sudden, someone came and came up to where he was and pulled his foot out and set him free. And he knew instantly that that was Jesus. Well, we know that parable, don't we? Of the 99 sheep that were all well and good, but one was missing. And Jesus went out to look for the one lost sheep. Because that's what good shepherds do. They go and look for the lost So Jesus went and looked for this man. Now he's contrasting himself, Jesus is, with a messianic prophecy that was given by the prophet Ezekiel. And I think I have that noted in your notes, Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me just read a couple of verses to show you the contrast between a bad shepherd and a good shepherd. Ezekiel prophesies in chapter 34, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord, Woe to you shepherds who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. Those who are diseased, you have not healed. The scattered, you've not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and severity, you have dominated them. He goes on a little bit further on and he says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, And this is God speaking. I myself will search for the sheep. I will find those who are lost. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all places to which they are scattered. I will feed them in a good pasture. The contrast that Jesus is making, we now see in chapter 10 in our gospel reading. 
we see where he puts himself in that place of being the good shepherd, the one who goes after the lost, the one who cares about the sheep, the one who nurtures the sheep, those that have been put out. And he says to them in that chapter 3 that I was telling you about, he says he put him out, the man, the man who was born blind, those who are in a situation with false leadership, those who are with shepherds that call themselves of God, but they're not. He put them out of that pasture into his pasture. He uses those same words. When the Pharisees put that man out, Jesus went and put out those who were being tormented and dominated by those bad shepherds. In chapter 10 of our gospel, when you look through 1 through 14, you see where Jesus starts to use divine language. When he says, I am, four times. I thought Kathy read that so well, the way she emphasized, I am. Because he's saying something there. He's saying, I'm the one that Ezekiel was talking about, that you all know. I am that good shepherd. I am the one that will look for you. In regards to the flocks, when Moses, for instance, when he said, God, I will deliver the people, but they're going to say to me, who? Who is delivering us? Who? And you say, tell them I am who I am. I love that. I just love that. Because Jesus is showing them another thing, that he is God. And because he is God, he knows exactly what we need. Not just what we want, but what we need. Also, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Death will no longer rule over his sheep. For they will have eternal life. And finally, Jesus said to the Pharisees, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Once again, showing himself to be not only God, but the great shepherd of the sheep. Now let's look quickly at those four I am's that we see in this this gospel reading. The first one, I am the door to the sheep. Metaphorically, he's talking about the passageway to salvation. All others who came before me, they're thieves, they're robbers. They don't care about the sheep. They care about themselves. He says, they are not the door to salvation. I am the door to salvation. And those who pass through me, I think, I think Kathy's translation said gate. And and other translations may say door. Those who pass through that door enter into eternal life. And in that eternal life is the pasture that the shepherd has prepared for us. The second I am. I am the door to life and life abundant. Now this is so great because... Sometimes we say, well, you know, I'm just glad that I got a job. 
I'm glad I got a house and I'm glad I'm not sick. That sounds very boring to me. He says, I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you abundance. I'm going to give you more than just as this funny card I saw one day in Walmart, breathe, breathe, breathe. There's more to life than that. I never in a million years thought God was going to put me at the end of the United States on the East Coast in Hilton Head. That's how I see it. I see it like we're at the very tip end. I thought, Lord, really? Hilton Head? You're putting me in Hilton Head? Amazing. I never thought that. But you see, the Lord knows exactly what I need. And when I talk to him about my wants, he says, okay, all right. Now let me tell you what you need. And so he sets me up in places where I need particular things. And usually he puts me in a place where there's a lot of spiritual emery boards in that place. And they just start filing away. And sometimes I say, Lord, we're getting real low here. I mean, we're getting down to the nub. And he said, we'll start file, stop filing when I think that you're ready. See, sometimes we don't necessarily like the pasture that God puts us in. Because we have other thoughts about what would be a better pasture for us. But the good shepherd knows the way. He knows. And I am the good shepherd, number three, who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He went to the slaughter. He, the, the, the lamb that was slain, he went to the slaughter so that we could all live. And not only live, but have abundant life. And when we go through those storms and we go through those tragedies and we go through those trials, which we're going to do, We live in a fallen world. It's going to happen. He's going to be right there with us. And that's where that abundant life comes in. Because we're going to see that not only is he there, but he's doing stuff in our life that's going to make us the people that he created us to be. And finally, number four, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. You see, when, when we belong to Jesus and we've given ourselves to him and we're in love with him, we're in love with Jesus. We just want to be with him all the time. You know, when, you, when you're in love with somebody, you just want to be with them all the time. Even if they irritate you and get on your nerves. If they're not there... You're thinking, okay, something's wrong, something's wrong. (laughs) Because we love that person. When you're in love with Jesus, you want to be with him all the time. Because you know that he's going to look out for you. And he's not going to put you out. And if you get lost, which we all do, and we start running in another pasture, you know what he's going to do? He's going to come looking for us. Because he knows that we belong with him. 
And sometimes, like my son, I remember this vividly when we'd go to the beach. This, this example just occurred to me. We'd go to the beach. I'm looking back there at my daughter. She already knows exactly where I'm going with this. We, we'd go to the beach, and I would draw the biggest square, you know, that I could see in the, in the whole beach. All right. And then I would tell Legree and Joseph, all right, y'all can play in this square. I'd include water. Not a lot, but a little bit. Anyway, I'd say, you can play here, but don't go outside of these lines because you're safe in here. Legree would go in the very center, I mean, almost as if she had a compass, and she would play right in the very center, and Joseph would walk the line. (laughs) I'm not talking about like five hours. He would walk the line. And that's how he's spending something. Well, you know what? There's a lot of us like that. We walk the line. And Jesus knows that about us. And he's going to be there with us. And he's going to tell us how much he loves us. And he's going to say, come on in here. It's so much safer in here. You're right on the line there. Come in and sup with me. Come in and be in this pasture. Because it's got everything you need. See, this image of shepherding is, was very common to the people that heard this. Although they did not understand, as the scripture says, exactly what he was getting at. This was a common illustration, the shepherd sheep um, metaphor. And Jesus is putting himself in that place of those sheep. The image, though very familiar, very familiar, they did not quite get it. Jesus is our good shepherd. David knew that, didn't he, in Psalm 23? You know, most all of us have that psalm in our heart, in our mind. We hear it all the time when people um, go home to be with the Lord. We hear that Psalm 23. It's interesting that David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Because what was he doing when he wrote that? But he was out shepherding sheep. He knew that God had everything that he needed. Now, the problem is that when we say, Lord, this is what I want, sometimes our wants aren't always, you know, what God says is our wants. Sometimes when we say, well, Lord, you know, I really need this. And, you know, he basically says in in his God way, I'll let you know what you really need. Because I created you. You see, he knows exactly what we need. What an awesome thing to be able to just say, Uncle, Lord, you know what I need. Okay, okay. Tell me what I need. Because I promise you, when he puts you in the place that he's called you to be, it's not just going to be life. It's going to be life abundant. It's not just going to be a good pasture. It's going to be an amazing pasture. Does that mean there won't be any trials or tribulations or struggles or death? About a week and a half ago, I lost my best friend. She died. Suddenly, wow, Lord, really? I had no idea. She's younger than me. I thought I was going to go first. But she selfishly had to go first. I'm going to tell her that when I see her. It doesn't mean that these things don't happen. 
But the good shepherd is right there to give us all we need to go through that particular situation. Max Lucado, who's written a lot of books, one of the books he's written is called Traveling Light. It's a real good book, and it's a light book. It's an easy read book. But he has an interesting thing to say about this want-need thing. He says, come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. The name of the prison, you'll see it over the entrance. It's called want. The prison of want. Now, I said that in my particular dialect. Does everybody understand what, what, I, what word I meant? You know, W-A-N-T, want, want. Okay. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. The prison of want. They want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. And then they just want one more thing. Can I just have one more? Can I just have one more cookie? Just, can I just have one more? They want one more thing. They want one new job, one new car, one new spouse. They just want one. When they have that one, they're going to be deliriously happy. But you know what happens. The new car starts to smell bad. The new job gets old. The new spouse has bad habits. And then he gets serious. He says, are you in that prison? You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. But there's good news. You've got a visitor at the prison. And this is what the visitor says. I know how to get you paroled. I know how to get you out of this. It's called the secret of satisfaction. Paul talks about that in Philippians 4 when when he talks about being content. I am content in whatsoever circumstance I find myself in. You know, whether I've got plenty to eat, whether I don't have much at all, where I've got everything I could ever imagine, where I'm just barely scraping by. And he says, why is that? I've learned the secret of contentment, Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it's our relationship with the good shepherd that provides everything we need. And when we get what we need, guess what? That satisfies our wants because he knows, the good shepherd knows exactly what we need. Do you know his voice when he calls? Is he calling you by name? Do you hear him call your name? Bob? Sue? Kathy? Linda? Francis, do you hear him calling your name? Does he know your name because you're one of his? Are we satisfied with what the Good Shepherd has provided for us? Are we content? These are questions to help us know where we are in the pasture. In our Acts text that we read today, that's the new community. That's the new pasture. That because of the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ and the sending forth of the Holy Spirit, 
We have a new pasture. That's where he's calling us. And it's going to have everything that we need. And along with the trials, along with the struggles, because that makes us better people. It makes us the people that God has told us that he's created us to be. Are we jealous? Are we jealous of others? Do we say, I wish I had that? I don't know why they have that. I know them. They're rotten. I go to church every Sunday. I'm there every Wednesday. I'm there when the door opens. I'm there when the door closes. And this guy, this girl, she just like comes in, goes out, and look at her. Everything's wonderful. I mean, we're all guilty of doing that. We're kind of sophisticated about it as we get older. We're not like we're not like children that just come right out and say, "Why does she have that? I should get that." Do we know contentment? Finally, the great shepherd. He knows also that when we are lost and we call him, he knows that that's all we have to do. When we get out of the pasture, when we're out there in the world, acting like we can handle that, and we call him, guess what? He's going to come find us because that's what a good shepherd does. In closing, I'll tell you a little funny thing, and I just remember it all the time, and it's when you go to the grocery store, Walmart, grocery store, wherever. You got all these mamas in there and all these children, and all of a sudden you hear, Mama! And all the mothers, you know, they all turning around like this to see. And then, you know, then they listen for, for them to say it again, Mama! And then all of a sudden the mother says, That's mine. Stay where you are. <laughs> I will come get you. And so then we go and, and we get ours because, you see, we know their voice and they know our voice. And they know we're going to come and get them. Do you hear him calling? Do you hear him calling for you? Stay where you are. He's going to come and get you and bring you to the pasture that he gave his life so that we could have. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you and praise you that you do have your world, your kingdom, your pasture for us. And Lord, it is, it is exactly what we need. I pray that you would motivate us, that you would stir the fire within us. Lord, that we would call out for you, that we would cling to you and be with you and desire to be with you. For you, Lord, are my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen.